everyone and welcome back to by the fire podcast a podcast where i can your host take you through mythical tales and creatures from across the black diaspora and thank you for tuning in to another episode you know it's great it's so great that i'm able to be consistent and i love doing this and i love getting the feedback and i love researching and i love bringing this out and this is still very much a new thing for me but i'm really enjoying it because I get to learn more, you get to learn more. And you know, it's a win-win situation for both of us. So I really hope you enjoy this episode, but today I'll be talking about shapeshifters and you'll be getting a bit of a fangirling at the end of the episode where I talk about a book concerning one of the shapeshifters I'll be talking about today. I hope you enjoy. The Baltigan is a type of therianthrope which is basically a really great way of saying someone who can shapeshift into an animal or human-animal hybrid. And the name means I changed myself into a hyena. It comes from the Kanuri language of the Borni Empire in the Lake Chad region, and it can also be found in Sudan, Tanzania, and Morocco. At night, it transforms into a cannibalistic monster that terrorizes people, especially lovers, and is also believed to rob graves at midnight, according to the Ethiopians. Some of the Berber people of Sudan, Tanzania and Morocco, who are an ethnicity of several nations mostly indigenous to North Africa and some parts of West Africa, regard them as men or women who charge into hyenas at night and resume their human form at dawn. Hyenas have always been viewed as dangerous in stories, especially the Baltingan, who can also be a hyena that transforms into a human. It's portrayed as a magical powerful healer, blacksmith, or woodcutter in its human form. It can be recognised through a hairy body, red and gleaming eyes with a nasal voice. When they metamorphose it fully into hyenas, they are much larger than their natural counterparts and are sometimes completely hairless. They have been known to call out people's names at night to taunt them and lure them away from safety, singling them out before eventually devouring them. And there isn't really anything online about how to escape it, but assuming that they're, well, knowing that they're nocturnal, just try not to be outside at night. Although, if they are luring people out, there must be a way to, like, block your ears, you know, so that you're not lured away. There has been a recollection of seeing a Baltigan in the autobiographical novel The Life and Adventures of Nathaniel Pierce by the same guy. The author recounts a story he once heard from a man called Coffin about a servant who asked for leave of absence. Supposedly, not long after the leave of absence was granted, the other servants observed the aforementioned servant transform into a large hyena. On his return the next morning, the servant was confronted by Coffin about the incidents and readily admitted that he was capable of such a transformation. The novel also described several native stories in which dead hyenas have been found with earrings on their ears, leading to the belief that they were women who had transformed. In the current society, there's a role-playing game called Dungeons and Dragons, which I'm sure people know about. I've never played it, but I know it. Which features a fictional character known as a knoll, which looks like a human with a hyena's head. The Lego is a shapeshifter that is normally in the form of a wolf. The word comes from the French loucarou, meaning werewolf. Now, drag me for filth if I said that wrong, because I ain't French. Anyway, it comes from the folklore of Trinidad and Tobago, and in everyday life, he could be an Obeah man, 
Without going into too many details, because you will be hearing about the Obeah man in another episode in the future, but essentially he's someone who sort of is the leader and manages um, a group of people in the community. So um, without going into too much detail, he's essentially someone who leads um, the people to insurrect and he did that during times of slavery. You'll hear more about him in future episodes. So like I said, he could be an obeyer man or even a man of some learning, living a quiet, solitary life. It was once a dark voodoo priest who sold his soul to gain the ability to kill without ever being noticed. He takes his shape from all contradictory facts of his island home, from history's pains and pleasures, from the night's unseen terrors and day's plain threats, from memory and from desire. The Lagahu roams the night, wrapped in chains, pulling a coffin of souls and is followed by three burning candles. It's usually portrayed as a wolf-like man, however it's not actually limited to only the form of the wolf and can also alter its size from tiny to very large in an instant, from the torso down. He carries the coffin on top of his head. On the lid of the coffin are three lit candles. And when in this form, the Lagahu is heard before it's seen, as the sound of the long chain wrapped around its waist, dragging on the ground, is heard. It can shapeshift into various animals, including horses, pigs or goats, and it's said to often take the form of a creature similar to a centaur. It's also thought to be a bloodsucker, however it's less particular about its food source compared to other bloodsuckers who only rely on human blood, because the Lagahu can make do with animals such as cows and goats. In order to see him properly, you have to put the yampi, which is essentially the eye crust, from a dog's eye in your own eye and look through your keyhole at midnight. To defeat a lagao, one must beat it with a stick that has been anointed with holy water and holy oil for nine days. While it is being beaten, it will change its form numerous times into many different animals until it eventually changes into crashing waves, then vanishes into mist. It hasn't been noted to appear in person, however there is a poem by James Abud, who is a judge and a poet from Trinidad and Tobago. He has a poem called Lagao Poem, and this is it. The shape of water is not caused by water, but by the palms of Lagao's hands and his beaches. Water tumbles through the ages, much as it tumbles through the rocks, without hindrance. Without Lagau, water has no shape, but Lagau takes his shape from the water. The shape of the man is the shape of darkness, but the man's senses are full of light, and Lagau takes his shape also from the men and their senses. The Ads is the shapeshifting fly whose name means an axe-like tool. It comes from the Ewe folklore in Togo and Ghana, and the creature is attracted to, hunts, and takes the blood from only the tribe's most beautiful children. However, it can also be starved off with coconut milk and palm oil. They turn into their hunchback quasi-human state, where they possess great talons and feed upon not only the blood, but also the heart and liver of their prey. It conjures magic to possess the victim, and then uses them as a medium to communicate. Eventually, this person will become sick and die. In its human form, the Ads has the power to possess ordinary humans and turn them into witches. The Eber people believe once the Ads turns into its human form, this human-like creature may attack and eat your organs, as mentioned before. 
If captured while in its ball of light or insect form, the ads will immediately shapeshift into the form of a human. While it's in this form, any means that will normally kill a human will destroy the vampire. So that's quite interesting that it's also considered a vampire. Oh yeah, because it's literally sucking people's blood. Or children's blood. Ew. Tales of the creature and its effects were probably used to describe the potentially deadly effects of mosquitoes and malaria, which is so interesting because there is a term called moral vitalism, which essentially, long story short, because I'm going to talk about it in detail in another episode, it's a tendency to view good and, and evil as actual forces that exist and can influence people and events. So this is an example because the ever people have decided to use this creature as a way to teach people about what actually happens in the real world, but they use it as spirit to educate others. It also appears in literature in the book Encyclopedia of Spirits and Ghosts in World Mythology by Teresa Bain. The Kishi is the two-faced demon, half human and half hyena, and comes from Angola, which is a country on the west coast of southern Africa. According to legend, a Kishi has an attractive human's face on the front of its body and a hyena's face on the back. The hyena face is said to have long sharp teeth and jaws so strong they cannot be pulled of anything it bites. They're said to use the human face as well as smooth talk and other charms to attract young women who they then eat with the hyena face. In literature, there's a book called The Kishi, Tales from Osawan by Antoine Bandele and it's so great because I've actually been able to interview him so next episode you'll be able to hear about his inspirations from the original folklore, his creative additions and more about the book. So I'm so excited for you to all hear that because I had a great time interviewing him and I really hope you guys enjoy it too next week or not next week but in the next episode. The next few things I say about the Kishi come from Bandela's book because apart from the things that I mentioned before, which is available online, there isn't actually much else that can be read online about the legend of the Kishi, so everything else I say now comes from the book. So the Kishi are located in the Black Rocks, the land of demons, which is a dense maze that is impossible to navigate without guidance. They're unable to enter the neighbouring Badrock village due to a shaman's impenetrable spell. So, obviously it looks like you can go in, but that spell essentially acts as a shield against these shapeshifters. When in combat with a Kishi, you can't attack its hyena side with weapons because its skin is very tough against spears or arrows. And you also have to be able to evade its ability to dampen your spirit whilst in combat. So essentially you could be fighting one and then you start to feel hopeless. And it's quite slowly, but the Kishi does it in a way that whilst you're fighting, you start to doubt yourself. Like, no, I can't do this. I can't defeat it. And then that's also how it attacks because, you know, the more doubt, the more feelings of hopelessness you get, it also affects your ability to actually fight. But to read more about the Kishi and its abilities, you should check out the book because I read it and it's really good. So, yeah. So thank you for listening to this episode and I really hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. Be sure to rate and comment on Apple Podcast and follow on Spotify. You can also listen on SoundCloud. Use the hashtag BTFpod so we can continue the conversation online 
and I really look forward to you joining me on the next episode. If you have a creature or folklore you'd like to hear or would like to be a guest on the show, feel free to email bythefire at bythefire.mail at gmail.com. Thanks for listening again, and I hope to catch you on the next one. Bye! Bye!